Professor. This is Viewpoint with attorney and author Chuck Chrismeyer. Viewpoint is a one-hour talk show confronting the issues of America's heart and home. And now with today's edition of Viewpoint, here is Chuck Chrismeyer. According to John Hopkins Medicine, studies have found that the act of forgiveness can reap huge rewards for your health, lowering the risk of heart attack, improving cholesterol levels, and even sleep, and reducing pain, blood pressure, and levels of anxiety, depression, and stress. But in spite of these health benefits, 62% of American adults say they need more forgiveness in their personal lives. Today, we're going to be talking with a gentleman who understands how difficult the act of forgiving can be, his many escapes from kidnapping, imprisonment, and torture, and his struggle to forgive his abusers reveal how difficult this can be. At 16 years of age, our guest today joined a missionary trip taking place in his home in Kenya. His bus trip was cut short as a radical group of terrorists kidnapped everyone on board. And what happened next was weeks of what Samson described as torture, sexual abuse, and unimaginable horror. Throughout his journey, our guest has been imprisoned in 15 countries for sharing the gospel. His physical body was often at the point of death, and he realized his healing would come through one thing, forgiveness. He traveled back to many of the places where he had been imprisoned and abused and extended forgiveness to his captors in person. In one Muslim country, the police officers were moved to tears by his words, even asking our guest today to forgive them for what they had done to him. Today, our guest has grown into an international organization known as Unite for Africa, which has impacted people in at least 87 nations. He now sees suffering in a very different light. He said forgiveness led to my emotional, spiritual, and psychological healing. You will still remember what happened, but you will no longer be enslaved by it. And so I welcome you to Viewpoint, friends. I'm Chuck Chris Meyer. It's conversation as always with ever-increasing conviction, talk that transforms forgiveness. Is a life maker or a life breaker? Let me repeat that. Forgiveness is a life maker or a life breaker. Our guest today must be very strong. His name is Samson. That is a Congo Samson and you have to have a certain amount of strength to forgive. But you have to have a willingness to forgive. And God has to work in your mind and your heart to forgive some of the most horrific things that could possibly happen to a human being. And so today on Viewpoint, we welcome Congo Samson with his book, Abducted But Not Forsaken. Abducted but not forsaken, how one man's escape from a notorious terrorist brought hope to all of Africa. A Congo, Mr. Sampson, it's good to have you on the program. Thank you so much for having me in the show and the program. Now, you know what? I'm looking at your picture here, and it does not appear to me that you have hair long enough to be Sampson. Well, uh, probably someone might have chopped them off. Uh, be careful. Well, at least they didn't get your head. But they could have gotten your head. You were very fearful at one 
or more times that uh, your captors would have taken your head? Yes, it was very close, but the word that God uh, gave me to speak at that time that was just coming from him really actually rescued my life. Let's take a little journey back. I remember when I was 16 years of age. When I was 16 years of age, I was uh, going into the 11th grade and uh, had my life ahead of me. When you were 16 years of age, God spoke to you in a very unusual way. What was that? Actually, it was it was on uh, my 15th uh, uh, birthday when I went to the camp, when I had the gospel for the first time. I gave my life to the Lord, and then two weeks later... Um, is when God spoke to me, O Congo, I want to use you to the uttermost part of the world to bring good news, the gospel, and transformation spiritually, emotionally, and and physically, uh, bringing abundant life in Christ. And at that time, I had no idea, no clue what it was. Mm -hmm. And actually, um, uh, our school curriculum, uh, I was at uh, grade 12, so to say. Um, So um, I had no idea what that was. I had no clue because I came from a poor background, and um, uh, wait know, a minute, you're, parents, you you had uh, fifteen brothers and sisters, didn't you? Correct. My parents had sixteen children. I'm number fifteen. Wow! And so we were a large family. You know, uh, we 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 grew up in the rural village of the border between Kenya and Uganda, very poor. Mm-hmm. But when you hear that big vision global, I'd never gone to any town. I'd never had shoes. You know, uh, it was like, what was that? And so that was me, naive, but I wanted to follow what God was calling me to, to do. Well, wait a, minute, wait a minute. You were 15, 16 years of age when God spoke to you in a very poor area of Africa. I thought God only spoke to people in North America. Well, he's omnipresent. He's everywhere, <laughs> even in the rural village. Even even in the manger, uh, where the cows and sheep are in Jerusalem, he he's there. He can speak. Even in the wilderness, he can speak to the to the shepherd right. in the jungle. So he's omnipresent. We know that he's there, and that he can speak. But an awful lot of people would say, "You mean to tell me you heard God speak to you at 16 years of age? How could you possibly believe that God would speak to you? What do you say?" Well, well, I can say that, you know, even today, whoever is denying that is hearing God's voice. Somehow, when they are doing something, they must be feeling some conviction, telling them wrong, right. Uh-huh. Don't do it, do it. Forgive that person, don't forgive. Well, that has to be God's voice, God's word. You know, he's speaking in many ways, direct, uh, through uh, the circumstances and situation, through people. So God still speaks. We may just choose to ignore uh, what he speak at that particular time. All right. Um, again, I think people have a very hard time with the idea of hearing God's voice. And I, I don't uh, object to that at all, because I remember when I was practicing law as a trial attorney in Southern California, uh, it was about the age of 35, when the Lord spoke to my heart and said, Son, I want you to speak to my church at large. That's all he said. I want you to speak to my church at large. I could make a longer story out of that to prove that indeed uh, there was a reality to that because other people actually 
began to realize that was indeed the case. But for 15 years, I continued to practice law. I left politics, which I had uh, been involved in, and continued to practice law, but God began to open up opportunities for me to speak. And then in 1992, he spoke again. Son, this is the time that I was talking to you about back in 1978. I want you to speak to my church at large. And then he said, I want you to sell everything you have, your law practice, everything, and go to the birthplace of America where I tell you what to do. That's been the story of my life, and that's why you and I are joined here on the air today. We need to hear the voice of the Lord, but in order to do that, we need to be still and know that he is God. We'll be right back with our special guest today, Congo Sampson. You do not want to miss any of this program today. It'll stir your soul. Once upon a time, children could pray and read their Bibles in school. Divorces were practically unknown, as was child abuse. In our once great America, virginity and chastity were popular virtues, and homosexuality was an abomination. So what happened in just one generation? Hi, I'm Chuck Chris Meyer, and I urge you to join me daily on Viewpoint, where we discuss the most challenging issues touching our hearts and homes. Could America's moral slide relate to the Fourth Commandment? Listen to Viewpoint on this radio station or anytime at saveus.org. Welcome back to Viewpoint. I'm Chuck Chris Meyer. Our guest today, he was a new believer, 16 years of age, 15, whatever it was. He was laying on a grass fiber mat that was his bed. He had just finished reading a passage from the Bible after having become a Christian at a camp, and he was crying. He said, as I thought about what I just read from the Bible, and then I heard it. I heard him, he said, God's voice. And here's what he said. I want to use you to the uttermost parts of the world to bring transformation to many people. And that was it. Was that the message, Samson? Yes, that was his voice clear. And I want to use you to the uttermost part, you know. And uh, I first thought, you know, I doubted, you know, what is that? You know, what is that? And he kept Mm -hmm. speaking, and he kept speaking, and he kept speaking. And that's God. Well, it had a, a profound sense of uh, deep, deep conviction in your heart, didn't it? It did. You know, I think when God speaks, it starts it, it start our spirit somehow, and it puts us into a place of uh, doubt, figuring out, is that him? Because I've never heard of that voice before. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It has never occurred to me. This was new, and clearly, to me, instantly I knew it was God, because as I was reading the Scripture after believing after accepting Christ a few weeks back, you know, I, I, I was, each time I hear his word, I read his word, I hear his word, I read his word, and then there I was not reading, and there he spoke. Well, it's interesting. There was a young fellow by the name of Samuel in the Old Testament, and uh, uh, his mother, after having weaned him, uh, turned him over to the priest, Eli, uh, because she was so thrilled and had made a promise to God that if she would, if he would give her a son, he would give him, lend him back to the Lord. So Samuel, as a young boy, is there in the uh, priest uh, quarters and so on, and he goes to bed at night and he hears a voice, Samuel, 
Samuel. So he ran into Eli and he said, did you call, sir? Eli said, no, go back to bed, son. So he did. And then he heard the voice again, Eli, I mean, Samuel, Samuel. So he ran back into Eli again, said, you did call, sir. He said, no, I didn't. Next time, when you hear the voice, say, speak, Lord, for your servant heareth. God does speak, and he speaks to us sometimes in the most unusual ways. Why do you think that he spoke to you at 15, 16 years of age there in a very, very poor area of Africa? You had no money. You had no organization. You had nothing but a call from God. Why do you think he did that? I think God uses anyone, anybody who is willing, who he would design, designate, and trust. Uh, not that I was trustworthy. I know mm-hmm. I down in my life, you know, I, I doubted some of those, you know, especially when I was going through some calamities and challenges. But I came to learn later in, the, in my years of growing that really God can, God speaks to anyone and everyone, not necessarily to go to the uttermost part of the world. He speaks to everyone to even love their family differently, mm-hmm. to love their wives differently, to, to love their nation differently, to stand up for the truth and mm-hmm. to stand up for what is right. And who he does, uh, except some some of us like me, a few times I chose to <laughs> disbelieve, but he he spoke, and I I believe he trusted me with his word, and all I needed is to obey. You know, a few times I struggled with that, uh, but I knew he he called me. Right now, as we have a conversation with you, if I didn't really acknowledge that it was God's word, I would have, by today I would have not gone to ninety two countries over and over, mm-hmm. taking this message of hope, healing, forgiveness, restoration, transformation, spiritually, emotionally, physically, bringing abundant life in Christ. So it, it ought to have been God, and he accomplished it and continue to accomplish it. All right, I so you got, on a, you got on a minibus. You got on a minibus uh, on your way to northern Uganda. Uh, you didn't really know quite what was going on there, but you got on it feeling that God wanted you to go on that uh, uh, short three-day mission, but a three-day mission turned into a horror event, didn't it? Yes, it did. Tell us about it. So we had, uh, uh, at that time, there was a big uh, movement of uh, gospel outreach uh, ministry called Beguna. They are basically from uh, Germany, Mm -hmm. and there was this big mega huge truck with big wheels because during that time Africa didn't have many good roads so they had to go with this big road big truck so they came to our village and they were doing this crusade and evangelistic and, and at that time they talked about a need in northern Africa northern northern Africa but most mostly also northern Kenya which is very dry and northern Uganda uh, but northern Uganda no one was willing to go because they were saying it was risky uh, there, were, uh, there was a conflict there, and, and uh, people were being abducted. And, and so, but when they talked about who was abducting them, uh, Lord, the sister, and I mean, they sound like Christian. I said, that can't be. But if it is so, why are people not willing to go? But if we can go and give them the gospel, the good news that can transform them, they would stop what they are doing. So I asked them to recruit me. 
And so they say, yeah, well, we can recruit you, but you know, you are still young. So if you can get into a bus and go to Gulu, we will meet you there if we have enough team to go. And, and I literally believe what they said. I took the bus to northern Uganda. And um, unfortunately, the bus was abducted by the terrorists uh, of the Lordists and Army at that time. And that's when all hell broke loose under the hands of what was called the Lord's Resistance Army, which is a group of terrorists uh, that were terrorizing the, uh, the entire countryside there. Uh, just give us a thumbnail sketch of what happened there, because this was the beginning of God working out the necessity of suffering in order to accomplish his greater purpose. While I had known how ruthless uh, the Lord Resistant Army, just by, by the story that was told in my village, you know, I had no idea at first that this was the Lord Resistant Army. So they abducted us, took us into this thick, deep forest where we did not know where we were. And so when we were, we were reaching the middle of this camp where they had, we were just ordered to remove our clothes, and, and, and there we were, joined, joining the, the many young children. Some of them were young as eight, uh, probably seven, and most of them were teens who were abducted. And they were being trained as we arrived uh, to be military. And then, um, so there I was. I was recruited. I was joined. Uh, uh, I was joining this young army in there. Mm. But inside the camp was not as pleasant as it was. Even as we, from the time we were abducted, given some lashes and whips and, and kicks, I knew that this was going to be a different thing. And so while we were there, it was much more of torture, beating. I tried to escape a few times. I was I was caught and, and brought back and, and beaten, and, and my, my knee was twisted, so I don't have to run fast again. But during the day and night, we were being trained uh, to, uh, to fight in the front line. And then also... In there, we were also cooking to these uh, rebel soldiers. And then um, from time to time, every, every other hour, you know, we were also uh, being, being meeting their sexual need, which was, it, it teared my heart into pieces. Not In other words, it was, uh, it was a homosexual orgy that they carried out uh, against the male uh, kids that they had uh, uh, taken captive. All of them, all, including the guards that were there, and he just kind of be mounted by these many people and his horror. I saw some of the uh, the team uh, died, and some of the guards died, and and uh, it was painful. It was one of the most horrible, and I felt like I was not a human being. Mm-hmm. And they were toxicated and and smoking um, the marijuana, which is a powerful drug uh, over there, and and so um, so it was. Uh, it was one of the most horrible things. I instantly became angry with myself, angry with God, angry with man, angry with the vision God called me. Um, life didn't mean so much to me as I was there. Well, it doesn't seem that when you're uh, brought captive like that and uh, all these atrocities are being performed, that they could, this could possibly be part of God's greater plan and purpose, does it? At that time, I did not know. You know, even though he said uh, when he called me, you'll go through persecution. And I had read over and over how the disciples were persecuted and how some of them were horribly killed, tortured. You know, but while I was going through that, I wasn't seeing God's plan. I was so much preoccupied by the pain, anger, rage, bitterness. Why did I, why did I, why am I here? 
And so that's what consumed my life more at that time. I didn't see God's plan at that time. Mm-hmm. Well, I was he, in the middle of my, my, my disaster crisis. And absolutely, uh, you know, anger has to be part of it, uh, a kind of growing bitterness, uh, resentment, and doubt, and wonderment. Could How could God tell me so plainly that he wanted me to uh, go out there and uh, be his voice to the nations, and yet this is happening right here near to where I live. How could this possibly be? And uh, so then you, after you escaped, you were talking with uh, some pastors and other Christians, and you made this statement. Interestingly, Christians were the skeptical ones. They thought I wasn't good enough, I was defiled, or that the Lord never called me in the first place. And even pastors resisted your sense of calling. What do you make of that? Well, I have something to make of that. But before that, my escape is miraculous that many people would want to hear. It was also God who spoke while I was there. That got me out of that place. Mm. So I knew that uh, it was a matter of time before I died being raped. I knew if I tried to escape, I'll be shot and die, just like I've seen some of them die. But I also had the people who went to the front line never came back, um, apart from these soldiers who kept coming back, because they would push these kids in the front line. And so they never came back. I knew when I go to the front line, I'll die. So one night, I had this thought that, you know, one way or another, I'll die. But I would rather die doing something, which is another powerful message that I believe it was from God. You rather die doing something, you know, not just sitting there. I would rather die doing something, even sharing the truth. So one night I decided to walk in the middle of the night, around, uh, not in the middle of the night, but around nine, uh, onto the entrance gate, which was guarded by these uh, the, the soldiers. And that night they slept. And that's how I miraculously escaped, walk overnight until good. And I, I took that option to die when they shoot me, rather than being mounted and being raped, mm. rather than going to the front line. And so I got to be uh, found in Gulu and then brought back to Kenya. And when I came back to Kenya, I was traumatized. I did not know how to tell my story and how to share this horrible thing because I was in shame, guilt. And, and I was not myself. I was depressed, anxiety, and I wanted just to die. I was thinking of com- committing suicide before anyone in the family in the village know of the horror I just experienced. Now, it was one of those evenings that some preachers were preaching over there in our village, and I, I decided to go and ask them to either pray for me to heal and I shared my story, or to pray so that I can die. I don't have to deal with this emotional pain and the trauma and the images and the nightmare that I was going through. And it was not handled well. Uh, mm. uh, they they use it on the platform to talk about, you no, know, he was raped, you no, know, he was abused, he was not supposed to go, he was not good enough, he was young, he was naive. You know, God never called him, even though he's saying God called him. And those added into my misery. Uh, at that time. Wow. So I came to learn that not many people knew how to uh, to love people who were wounded. So you, have to not only for, so you have no to one, not only forgive your captors, uh, you have to forgive the pastors, and you have to forgive uh, so-called Christian people who uh, 
did not seem to have any understanding about a call from the Lord and that everything doesn't always turn out immediately good uh, to those that love him. Correct. You know, because, you know, I, do, I felt abandoned. I felt isolated. I felt judged. I felt marginalized. Because even when I went to the church that was there at that time, I sit on the, on the bench, which was a wooden bench. No one wanted to sit closer to me because I was considered that. No one wanted to shake my hand. No one wanted to be with me even in school when I got back. And so I was just isolated. So I, I, because of that marginalization and the way I was treated, I developed anger towards the church, towards the godly people, because when I shared my story, I was having hope that I would be helped, understood, comforted, or guided, or prayed over mm. by healing. It and it didn't hope. happen. It didn't happen. We're going to be back after this break, friends. We're talking with a Congo Samson. Abducted but not forsaken. The book is uh, available to you for $17 on our website, saveus.org, at saveus.org. What a testimony, what an encouragement. There is so much more about Chuck Chris Meyer and Save America Ministries on our website, saveus.org. For example, under the marriage section, God has marriage on his mind. Chuck has some great resources to strengthen your marriage. First off, a fact sheet on the state of the marital union, a fact sheet on the state of ministry, marriage, and morals. SaveUS.org. Marriage, divorce, and remarriage. What does the Bible really teach about this? Find all of this at SaveUS.org. Also, a letter to pastors, the Hosea Project, SaveUS.org, and many more resources to strengthen your marriage. It's all on Chuck's website, SaveUS.org. Again, you can listen to Chuck's Viewpoint broadcasts live and archived. Save America Ministries website at SaveUS.org. Again, I welcome you back to Viewpoint. I want to make available this wonderful book, Abducted But Not Forsaken, uh, How One Man's Escape from a Notorious Terrorist Brought Hope to Africa. And uh, we're going to hear the balance of uh, Congo Samson's story, at least as much as we can cram into the short time that we have available. But the book is available to you on our website, saveus.org. You can give us a call, 1-800-SAVE-USA, or write to us at Save America Ministries, P.O. Box 70879, Richmond, Virginia, 23255, writing a check at $5 for postage and handling. Congo Samson, our guest here today on Viewpoint, um, I dare say that very, very, very few human beings on the planet and in human history have undergone what this man underwent in order to fulfill the call of God in his life. And it was because of those things that happened to him that God was be able to use him in a profound way so that at this time he has been to over 90 nations and was inspired to found Unite for Africa, a ministry, and uh, over 50 countries have impact, been impacted since the Congo and Unite for Africa answered God's call to boldly stand for Christ. So he has a unique ministry, and it's the ministry of a story. The ministry of a story. 
And that story is what we're trying to impart to you here today on Viewpoint. But it began with a call. He heard the voice of the Lord when he was just a teenager and then decided he was going to heed it no matter what, no matter what it looked like, no matter what anybody thought, even his family, he was going to hear and heed the voice of the Lord. That requires a word that is despised today in our churches across America. It's the word obey, O-B-E-Y. And that is what pleases God, obedience, because he knows then that he can trust us to do his will. And when God can trust us, then he can make available to us opportunities to do his his work in ways that other people just would never have the opportunity to do because they are not willing. Our will is very important, isn't it, Akanga? Yes, it is. You know, it's interesting. The Bible says, to will is present with me, but to do that which I will, uh, that is something else. The Apostle Paul had that struggle. Uh, He suffered many things, but uh, he still had to deal with the struggle of his own will in obedience, didn't he? Yes, yes, yes. You know, uh, I'm glad you're talking about this word, obedience. You know, uh, in my life, then, I had to... uh, I had to be obedient because um, the things that God was telling me to do are the things I wouldn't want to do mm-hmm. on my own. And uh, and uh, actually, the obedient, disobedience is the opposite of obedience, and that's the biggest, the first thing of of our mankind, Adam and Eve. When they were told, "Do this, don't do that," they mm-hmm. ended up doing the opposite. It is disobedient, and it became sin. And uh, I found myself in that scenario like Paul and Adam where, you know, I wanted to be obedient to God. A few times I doubted that. Uh, but uh, for me to to follow through with the, his vision, he called me, and I realized I needed to be obedient. And uh, disobedience uh, brought even fear to me, uh, kept me pushing forward. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I knew that uh, I had reasons to not go, uh, to not uh, be obedient to that. Right, because you knew that there was a high uh, degree of possibility that some very not good things uh, lay in store. Uh, your story opened the way for you to go to initially to Ethiopia and Uganda and Sudan. Uh, all of those were countries that uh, were not necessarily a friend to grace. And uh, so you went, you told your story, not from a podium or a pul- pulpit, but uh, you continue to tell your story, and the more you told your story, the more the opportunities opened up to you to tell the story. The more so, didn't it? That's correct. You know, so when uh, when I came back to Kenya and uh, uh, my news wasn't handled well by the churches, by the believers, and it became a point of bully, it became a point of uh, a laughter, and so uh, so I, I even became more depressed, more angry by God, you know, angry. With with everyone, including myself. But then one lady did told me that, you know, you know, God will still use you uh, despite uh, what you have gone through. And that made me remember that even though I was abducted and many people died and never escaped like I did escape, and, um, and here I am, that must have been God who just rescued me. So I hung into that story mm-hmm. that at least he, uh, he rescued me from the 
pain I experienced. Uh, and then uh, when I escaped, uh, what did not escape from me was the cry that we were having in the camp. The cry of the many children that remained behind. Mm. The people who remained behind, that came with me. So it was haunting me and was tiring me up to even do something because I know their cry was there. And then in the middle of their cry, God is still speaking. I want to use it to the uttermost part of the world. So what I decided to do, I decided to share that at least I suffered. At least I was abducted. But at, at most, God rescued me. So he has to be there. He is there. He can rescue us. And that story started to resonate with so many people who felt like God was not there for them, who felt like they were abandoned, who felt like they were forsaken. So I said, God never forsook me. He was He was with me. He got me out. So that is what made me move from place to place. And people called me, come come share this story. Mm-hmm. But most of the story was about the boy who was raped, abducted. Mm-hmm. But when I was sharing the story, yes, that was a little bit part of the story. But the bigger story was, God never forsaken me, never abandoned me on that uh, on that moment, mm-hmm. and that was became the theme that gave many people hope and led me to going outside of Kenya to Uganda to Somalia uh, to um, to Egypt you know, and to the Middle East and to the uttermost part of the world, paving way. Ninety two countries. That's amazing. Ninety two countries you've been to, and uh, then. <clears throat> Uh, the organization that uh, you ultimately formed, Unite for Africa Ministry, and uh, it, 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 it's an amazing story. Uh, I was so blessed and encouraged by it, uh, not because it's full of uh, happy, happy talk. It's not full of happy, happy talk. It's full of uh, faithfulness and uh, truth. And uh, the joy of serving the Lord, notwithstanding the uh, the problems that it may involve, including persecution. Jesus said, "If they persecuted me, they're going to persecute you. Why? Why do you think you should be different than your Lord?" And here you are. You're not really preaching. You're sharing your story, and through that story, sharing the message of the gospel. And uh, for some, it's hope, and for others, uh, they take it as horror and begin to persecute even the more so. So you end up in Saudi Arabia, not exactly a friendly place to Christians. Uh, what happened there? Well, uh, when I was in uh, in Yemen, uh, doing uh, at this time already I had done some medical, and I was there with uh, some group of people from Middle East, you know, different mm-hmm. parts of the country. So while I was in Yemen, I met people from Saudi Arabia, and then uh, I was sharing my story, uh, which led some people to be become believers in Christ, mm-hmm. and that was illegal, probably still dangerous in so many countries and so many places, including Yemen. And so uh, and so, I got in trouble in Yemen, thrown in prison, and I was, uh, I was removed from prison, but I was given two ultimatums. Either you stay here, do only medical, never share the story about God and your faith, and, and, uh, or be deported. So I chose to stay. Mm. And uh, but if I if I chose to stay, I was to be given some lashes, which I was given. So I was given lashes in the public place and released, and I stayed and I continued to share this story. Now the the, the friend who are from Saudi Arabia, uh, when they returned, uh, we we kept in contact. We said that is unbelievable. Why would you do that? Why would you be humiliated? And 
and keep staying. They invited me to Saudi Arabia. So when I visited them, and they were Muslim, and, but the story was so fascinating to them. So when I went to Saudi Arabia, um, I continued to share this, this story. I continued to proclaim God, uh, God's story in, in any opportunity I have, even though as I share my story. My story ultimately is God's story mm-hmm. uh, through me. So it's not my own. It's glory to back to him. And so as I shared that, it led me to prison, and uh, it was uh, horrible. And um, Well, a maximum prison. security prison at that. Uh, you know, how could you be in a maximum security prison for merely telling your story about uh, how God called you and uh, the love of Christ? But you talk were. About in, talk about injustice, you know. Uh, just because of your faith is enough to put you into maximum prison. Paul was <laughs> there. Apostles were there. And so I was put into one because um, actually when I was thrown into the prison, I, I learned that you know, the people who were prisoners were also just people who I could read. So I started sharing my story in prison, within the prison, <laughs> and then they, they isolated me, put me to this maximum where I was by myself, where they drilled my legs, hung me upside down, and actually they made me um, uh, denounce Christ, and actually I lied. I lied. I denounced Uh-oh. Christ. I, I didn't believe, and, and I, I even said I believe in Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him. I lied so I would be released. And that's when I was released because they believed that I got converted. To well, let me let me uh, go back so that people understand what really happened. Uh, they actually suspended you from the ceiling by your wrists. Then you were cuffed in steel shackles that dug into your skin as the full weight of your body was pulled downward. But that wasn't enough. Then they hit you with electrical shock. And uh, that was not enough. So then they showed you a horrifying needle. And they said if you didn't stop talking, they were going to sew up your lips with that horrific-looking needle. But even that was not enough. So then they took a power drill and drilled holes through uh, through the bones of your legs, shoved a iron bar through the hole, and then hung you from the ceiling by that bar. That is what caused you to cry out in the utmost agony. We'll be right back, friends. Torture, denial, and redemption through forgiveness. Have you ever considered what the early church was like? Many people are developing a heart longing for a greater fulfillment in our practices as Christians. A recent study showed 53,000 people a week are leaving the back door of America's churches in frustration. What is going on? Why has there not been even a 1% gain among followers of Christ in the last 25 years? Could it be that God is seeking to restore first century Christianity for the 21st century? Jesus said, I'll build my church. Is Christ by His Spirit stirring to prepare the church for the 21st century? The early church prayed together and broke bread from house to house. They were family, and it was said by all who observed, Behold how they love one another. Incredible. But the same can be found right now. Go to saveus.org and click Sell Church. We can revive first century Christianity for the 21st century. It's about people, not programs. It's about a body, not a building. That's saveus.org. Click Sell Church. Welcome back to Viewpoint. I'm Chuck Chris Meyer. Our guest today, a Congo Samson. You have to be strong 
like Samson to be able to endure uh, what our guest went through in order to obey God, do what he said, notwithstanding the persecution, notwithstanding the suffering uh, that would occur. The Apostle Paul apparently had the same level of uh, commitment and obedience. Uh, Obedience is the very heart of it, and uh, that brings up a whole new level of obedience, and that is, what do you do when Jesus said, if you won't forgive others their trespasses, neither will your heavenly Father forgive you? So, Forgiveness then becomes almost the ultimate uh, cry of obedience that God brings. Uh, Our guest today said in his uh, book, I was filled with sinful thoughts about the sins done to me. Uh, My hatred was, from the biblical perspective, the same as murder. Uh, And so God was telling me, he said, to be the catalyst for forgiveness. Well, how do you be a catalyst for forgiveness when you've been tortured, 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 and repeatedly tortured, and everywhere you go you're persecuted, tortured, rejected, even by your own family, even by pastors. Uh, I mean, what is this that God calls us to? And yet, as we look at the times that we're in, friends, Jesus said it's going to be really tough. It's going to be increasingly tough. That's right. Read Matthew chapter 24. And Jesus said, but he that endures to the end shall be saved. In other words, there is something that we have to press forward to and through and not fall away. Not fall away. Was our guest tempted to fall away? Well, in one sense, yes, because of his uh, fleshly response to what was taking place. On the other hand, he had the call of God, the word of the Lord, that he chose to listen to rather than his feelings. And that brings us now, this matter of feelings, Congo. Uh, your book says, Abducted but not forsaken. And uh, indeed, You were not forsaken, but it certainly seemed like you were for long periods of time. And uh, certainly that could engender hopelessness and horror and hatred at the same time. So, friends, before we go further, I want to make the book available to you, Abducted But Not Forsaken. We can only get to a small portion of what this man endured and how he walked through these times and continued to tell his story, notwithstanding the threats upon his life and how people came to the Lord as a result, miraculously. It's a continuing story, a thread that weaves its way through years and now even to the present time as he ministers throughout all of Africa, even as God had told him he would through the ministry of Unite for Africa. So, here's the book again, Abducted But Not Forsaken, $17. We're going to put this very, very important book in your hands. Important because it's going to help you to understand and probably strengthen you for the times that are ahead. 
you hopefully are not going to have to go through the kinds of things that a Congo Samson did. But the Bible does say that all who live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. It's hard for us in America to understand that. But it's coming more quickly than you can possibly imagine. The book on our website, saveus.org, Abducted But Not Forsaken. Give us a call, 1-800-SAVE-USA, or write to us at Save America Ministries, P.O. Box 70879, Richmond, Virginia, 23255. Writing a check at $5 for postage and handling. Now, let us move to the big test. The big test of forgiveness. That was not an easy test, was it, Congo? Probably still is not easy for many people, but uh, it was what got me to be healthy to have my freedom today. So, um, you know, as much as um, I was going to these different places, I was going dysfunctional. I was having bitterness, rage, anger uh, with myself, doubting God, but the only thing I, I held dearly was being obedient because I was afraid if I was not obedient, I'll be, I'll be facing the consequences that God can. But also, I was afraid if I keep on going, I'll face the, the same similar persecution I've, I've, I've had. So I was really dysfunctional, but only obedient. Then it came to a point where, I, even as I was going, my emotions were not right. My feelings were not right. My spirit was grieving all the time. Nightmare after nightmare. Horror mm. after horror. And that's but understandable. Yes, I was, I was, until, and I was angry with God even though I was serving Him, until I learned that I needed to forgive the people who did wrong to me. All right, you said, here are some words from your book on the journey to forgiveness. The stakes were high. My word would build up others or tear them down. My words would give hope, love, peace, unity, correction, healing, knowledge, and wisdom, or they would cause anger, hate, bitterness, jealousy, contempt, violence, judgment, condemnation, and confusion. In the end, it was my choice. My words would bear fruit, and that reminded me of Galatians five twenty-two to 23 but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Those were the fruits you said I so desperately needed to go forward so that your story then would bear fruit for the kingdom of God. Ultimately, it was up to me because the word of God is clear, even though I read it and I wrestled with it. And even reading it, I was angry. I don't want to do this. Mm -hmm. Uh, These people ought to be punished like and feel the pain like I did before even I attempted to to forgive them. But I also want to have a dialogue with them when they are being persecuted to ask them, how do you feel? So that I can reasonably tell them that's what I feel, now I forgive you. Now, that is not how God works. God work is, God's word is very straightforward. You know, it's kind of like forgive and for you to experience that. So I wanted to experience those mm-hmm. things we read on that scripture, the, the, what I wrote there for myself, but ultimately to also execute them to see God glorify himself and honor his word, and he right. did. So forgiveness so, is not a matter of feelings. It's a matter of faithful obedience. 
it's a matter of obedience. It's neither feeling, and our feeling is the right, no wrong, no, no wrong but God's, God's truth, God's word still stands. You know, in my, my own feeling, I didn't want to meet with these people. Mm-hmm. When God told me when I went through my healing, uh, which uh, restored my, my thought, my imagination, and even helped my physical, which was tormented, I felt like I was dirty all the time, ashamed and, and guilt. But God healed me through that. So it was not just a matter of just my feeling. If it was my feeling, I didn't want to meet with these people. Right. I didn't want to talk to them. Uh, to be to be honest, I pray they die even before I go there. <laughs> I hate to even I hate to even repent, ask God to forgive me for my wicked wishes, thought mm. for them, because uh, at this time He had told me you need to go and meet them who are alive and forgive them. And I said, God, no. And wait a minute. Said, wait a minute. You have to intentionally go back to Saudi Arabia. Uh, where they persecuted so horrifically, you have to go back to these other places where they were so uh, horrific in their uh, persecution, uh, torture of you. You have to go back to them and forgive them? Yes, I went to all of them, uh, Iraq, Saudi Arabia, Afghanistan, uh, Somalia, Ethiopia, uh, Kenya, and uh, Egypt. Uh, Iran and all those places, except northern Uganda of Lord Resistance Army, because they are just rebels somewhere in the Congo and South Sudan, and they don't have a structure. And really, God didn't lead me to go meet with them. But the rest of the other places, I went and met with them, which was a miraculous way how God opened the door for me to meet with them. And then, um, uh, only allowing God to do what only God can do. Uh, I was afraid. I was not bold. don't mistake that. I went because I was afraid. If I don't go because God has told me to go, I was going to be disobedient. But I also afraid that these people are capable of doing the worst. I've known, I've tasted the, the pain. and so. And, but there I was. So I was only hanging into this obedience at God. You take me there, you kill me, I'm coming to you. Uh, if it's alive, glory be to you. But I was really dysfunctional. I was terrified. But I saw how God worked through the power of forgiveness, where today some of the people who hurt me, who even raped me, are working with Unite for Africa in our ministry, preaching like I preach, teaching like I teach, and bringing the message of hope. And wow. yet, at some point, they were used to hurt me by the enemy. Mm. So that is what the power of forgiveness does. It restored them give them the opportunity to experience God's grace and God's forgiveness. And now I'm privileged to serving together with them through the movement of Unite for Africa. That has to be God. Even though God never gave me a memo like that. Today mm-hmm. I say his way is different from my way. His understanding is different from my understanding. My understanding, these people ought to have been dead, like they almost killed me. Mm-hmm. But God's plan uh, is amazing to me up to today. And it's very hard for us to see. We don't see what that plan is totally. God just says, trust me. Trust me, and that's revealed in our obedience. And that's why that famous song, Trust and Obey, where there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. When we walk with the Lord in the light of his word, what a glory he sheds on our way. When he do his good will, he abides with us still and with all who will trust and obey. 
And one of the big challenges that we're facing today is the willingness to forgive. Freedom will come through forgiveness. Freedom will come through forgiveness. But we do it not because we feel like it, but because God requires it. Why does he require it? Because you and I have been forgiven. And if we don't recognize that, we're walking in pride and not humility. And God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. It takes humility to forgive. In fact, it may be the most humbling thing of all. What do you think, Congo? Yes, yes, you are right. It's it humbling it and bringing humility that glorify God. It brings healthiness that we all need. And, um, and it is the most powerful thing ever, but it's also the most challenging for many people. Mm-hmm. Uh, one way or another, as I travel around the world, I realize people are struggling with issues that would require them to forgive whether their parents, their children, their loved ones, their spouses, and their church. You no, know, we've been hurt and wounded, not necessarily like I was. Pain is pain. Um, uh, the, the, the thing that caused us to be in a place of uh, rage, anger, bitterness uh, are the same. But the principle of God is forgiveness. You know, some people ought to even forgive themselves for, for the things they, they've done, mm. for their participation. When I was hurting and wounded, I, I ultimately also hurt, hurt others along the way. I had hurtful thoughts. I had suicidal thoughts that I had to kind of ask myself, God, forgive me for how I mm. look down upon myself. Mm-hmm. And it brought healing spiritually, mentally, emotionally, and even physically. Genuine and heart. true freedom through forgiveness. Friends, thanks so much for joining us here today on Viewpoint. Thank you for uh, uh, your testimony, Congo, your obedience. Uh, truly, you are a strong man. Your last name portrays that, Samson. Uh, your website is Unite for the numeral four Africa.org. Unite for Africa.org. Uh, urge you to go there and see what uh, uh, Congo is up to. His book, Abducted but Not Forsaken. Get a copy of that. $17 will encourage you, strengthen you, and prepare you for the times ahead. God bless. Thanks for joining us. Pray for his ministry and that God will bring fruit in Jesus' name. You've been listening to Viewpoint with Chuck Grissmeyer. Viewpoint is supported by the faithful gifts of our listeners. Let me urge you to become a partner with Chuck as a voice to the church declaring vision for the nation. Join us again next time on Viewpoint as we confront the issues of America's heart and home.